Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, June 17th, and before we break down any of the tennis, have to wish a happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. I am extremely fortunate to have a father who was always so supportive uh, of my tennis game, of my tennis exploits. You know, he showed up at every one of my matches. I could always count on him to cheer us on, to embrace whomever my doubles partner or teammates were at the time. And he always helped, you know, any team success I had over the years. And I'm not crazy, but, you know, I had some fun in high school and obviously in club tennis, you know, the fact that he was willing to embrace those teammates, such a huge part of the success we had helped build the team culture that would, you know, that sort of camaraderie as you hear from all of these players we've interviewed, so important to build that and, you know, the openness he showed to not only my teammates, but the support he showed them, the support he showed all of us, such a huge contributing factor. And I have to say my mother equally supportive and I what you know gave her a similar message obviously as well on Mother's Day but as it is Father's Day shout out to my dad Michael Gruskin shout out to Mr. Rothman as well and just all of the cracked rackets parents all of you uh fathers out there who support your children help make uh their tennis game succeed because as someone who doesn't have kids yet knowing from the perspective of a kid I know my tennis game would have gone nowhere without you know not only the financial stuff but just the support and the willingness of my dad to drive me to these tournaments to make sure I was practicing doing whatever. So huge shout out to them. Westoff, in fact, give me a little Father's Day sound effect, please. With that being said, though, a ton of tennis to talk about if you guys have missed anything. I hope you've been keeping up with our website, CrackedRackets.com, and you can turn there to catch up on all things related to the tennis world. For those of you who need the more immediate gratification, obviously, social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we're posting all of our content there as well, so you can go find that. And, you know, if you enjoy our content, please go like, rate, subscribe, review, follow all of our stuff, this podcast, the Cracked Interviews podcast, the What the Deuce podcast. Podcast. I should also say, big GSP week this week. You know, it's the halfway point in the tennis year. There's a ton of big picture things we at Cracked Rackets <clears throat> obviously want to talk about. And so, you know, tonight, Father's Day, I, it's just going to be me tonight on the podcast. By the way, I, I would never keep my goal. Maybe I would, but I would try my best to introduce my guests two and a half minutes in. But as it's Father's Day, everyone's busy doing their own thing. I can, you know, steer the ship today. Um, I do want to say, though, Jonathan Kelly, uh, you know, at Joe Kelly underscore tennis of the On the Rise Zoo Tennis, Tennis Panorama fame. He's a tennis fluencer, a guy we've had on the podcast before. Him and I today recorded a two and a half hour mega podcast giving our State of the Union of American Tennis in 2019 on both the men's and women's side. That'll be released. And, you know, knowing Westoff, they'll break that down into a couple of parts because I'm probably the only person, you know, maybe Jonathan as well, crazy enough to listen to a whole tune and a half hour conversation at once, but expect to be seeing that, uh, throughout this week on your podcast feeds. Also, Max Rothman and I are going to get back in the booth for GSP, have some fun changeover chat topics, as well as focus on the things we love the most on the ATP side. That of course being <clears throat> all of those wonderful young next gen ATP players who we, who we've seen break through throughout the year. So big podcast week, be on the lookout for that. But in the spirit of next gen players, let's talk a little tennis. 
I'm going to start on the ATP side and work our way through the WTA results. And again, since it's just me, no big breakdowns of matches, but just in general what happened on the you know highest level of the professional tour for you guys. Uh, let's start in Stuttgart, as I mentioned, where Felix Ogier-Alassim, the young Canadian who has really taken the ATP tour by storm this year, he reaches the final after you know he beats Dustin Brown 7-6-6-7-7-6, fights off match points in that one. You know, such a strong match from Felix the fact that he plays a guy in Dustin Brown who, you know, he does one thing really, really well, and he continues to attack you, move forward, get to the net, make you uncomfortable, especially on the grass with all the drop shots and angles he plays. You're going to have to move a lot, and that Felix was consistently aggressive, uh, really strong uh, performance from him, and then he gets to walk over in his semifinal over Milos Raonic, who makes the semifinal here, but is still combating, you know, coming back from injury, so he withdraws there, can understand the concern he wants to be in fine form for Wimbledon that I'm sure he feels he can contend at. Uh, and for FA, he matches up with Matteo Berrettini, one of, if not maybe the hottest player on tour in 2019. I'm sure Stefano Tsitsipas would disagree given that he's in the top 10 now, but Berrettini seriously having one of the best seasons on the ATP tour. He in this tournament, so impressive, doesn't drop a set, knocks off Nick Kyrgios in the first round, three and four, knocks off Karen Kiachnov, six, four, six, two. Dennis Kudla, 3-3, three and three. Jan Leonard Struff in his semifinal. Struff knocked off Luca Pui, 4-4. Four and four. Then Berrettini takes care of him, 4-5. and five. And in this final against FAA, I mean, he played some outstanding first strike tennis, winning the match 6-4, 13-11 in the tiebreaker. One of the things I always so much enjoyed before I talk about the match, after the match, both guys so uh, graceful, so kind to one another. Berrettini saying how difficult it is to beat a guy like FAA, and he knows you know, FA being as young as he is, that's going to be the standard moving forward. Just always nice when an older player like Berrettini, you know, who's not even that old at 23, shows that sort of uh, respect to a player of FAA's caliber and understanding the importance of his win. But for Berrettini, it's his second title on the year. He's 23 and 12. Uh, obviously, he has this title as well as the title. Uh, you know, he lost in the final of Munich on the clay, losing to Christian Guerin, but along the way, beating Bautista. Goot, Cole Schreiber, Kudla. He won on clay in Budapest, beating Krajinovic, Jur, Cuevas. Uh, so not the hardest draw, but still, you know, yes, he lost first round at Miami. Yes, he lost first round at Monte Carlo. Yes, he lost first round at Indian Wells, but you look at the results of these guys putting forward, you know, week in, week out on tour. We've talked about how the top guys, Nadal, Djokovic, uh, Federer, they're not playing these 250, 500 level events, so there's a ton of space for guys to break through at that level and Berrettini has been one of the guys taking advantage of that now with this win he moves to a career high number 21 in the rankings again this is a guy born 1996 he's 23 years old he's just entering his physical you know just starting to reach if he's even there yet his physical peak as a tennis player so exciting to see his game because it really does translate so well across a variety of surfaces you know you look at in this match he hits six aces against two double faults, wins 62% of his first serve. Uh, oh, he makes 62% of his first serves, but wins an astounding 93% of his first serve points. Perhaps even more impressively, he faced zero break points on the match. It spoke to how hard he made it for FAA to even make a dent in his service games. Now for FAA, he did a ton of things well. You know, saves five of the six break points. And just, I guess, actually real quick to put a wrap on the Berrettini note, 
incredible performance. Uh, this is a guy who certainly deserved to play uh, win this tournament. He played outstanding tennis. It's going to be fun to watch him in what really feels like a, a Wimbledon tournament where there's maybe 50, you know, 15, 50 guys, and I, I don't say that number lightly. I'm serious, 50 guys I could see making the round of 16 if the draw breaks right for Berrettini. Round of 16 should be the expectation because he's going to be seeded at this event. He's going to have a chance at a lower seed, and there's no reason he can't, um, at the very least, you know, compete to make it to that second week. But now on the FAA side, to kind of put a bow on this for Felix, as I mentioned, saves five of the six break points he faced, 16 aces against one double fault, wins 85% of his first serving points, making 68% of his first serves as well. Look, he got broken once. He played an incredible match, took a 13-11 second set tiebreak, and this is his first ATP-level grass tournament. Obviously, him being as young as he is, he's what, uh, I believe, 18 years old. He had turns 19 in August. I mean, this guy's the real deal. He's got weapons. His game translates well across all surfaces. He's such an athlete. He plays definitive strike first tennis, seems to know, you know, sometimes a little bit, uh, sometimes gets a little bit crazy, but he knows what he wants to do on the court, and he's able to attack anyone, even a guy with a game as big as Berrettini's. And, you know, if anything, yes, the walkover over from Rayonich had to help and had to have him feeling rested, which is something you always worry about with FAA being as young as he is. But man, I hope this guy plays the Wimbledon because another guy, one of the 50 who's certainly in contention to make that second week. All right, let's stick with the ATP side and move to our next tournament. Obviously, they were in, and I, th- I really hope I'm saying this right because I think it's a soft S in, um, in I believe it's Schertengenbosch. Obviously, we're in the ne- Netherlands, and please, someone correct me on that pronunciation because that was not good. Um, but what was good was the tennis we saw there. And in our semifinal round, we had Jordan Thompson versus Richard Gasquet, Adrian Manorino versus Borna Chorich. Their semifinal matches get delayed at the end of their—both matches delayed at the end by rain, so they had to play semifinal in the morning. Then they came back to play the final a little bit later on Sunday. For Adrian Manorino, he ends up knocking off Borna Chorich in a third-set tiebreaker, 4-6-6-3-7-6, and then beats Jordan Thompson 7 6 to win his very first ATP title in what I believe was his seventh attempt in a final. Now, for a guy like that, what is Manorino now, 30? I mean, he's obviously part of a French generation. Yeah, he is 30, part of a generation. Monfils, Simone, Gasquet. Uh, obviously, they took so- Sanga took so much of the notoriety, and he's really scrapped out an incredible for- a career for himself. Uh, you know, he's made over $6 million in prize money. He's been now in the top 100 for a sustained period of time where he knows that ATP pension uh, is going to kick in. And for him to get a, a title here, I think it speaks to Adrian Manorino. <clears throat> and I say this affectionately. He does have a very country club-esque game. It's very smooth, very easy, changes direction really well. And it translates beautifully to grass. He's a lefty. It's a tricky opponent. It's a tricky matchup for a lot of players on this surface. He can get them stretched in uncomfortable ways on the backhand side, open up the down the line for himself with a forehand. 
and he did a lot of that in this tournament so it's a testament to him a guy who was 11 and 13 on the year going into the event and then obviously to have the result that he did actually he may have been even worse than 11 and 13 in fact yes he was um, 6 and 13 coming into this event so really just not a good year uh, for him at least 6 and 13 in ATP events so just a rough year for him and for him to turn it around the way he did uh, fantastic stuff from Adrian Manorino. I, I would throw him in the list, I guess, of 50 guys if the draw breaks right. He's probably lower in the list. You know, he's from the 40 to 50 range, but I would throw him. Uh, actually, three out of five physically. Yeah, he's in that probably 30 to 45 range of guys I think could make the second week, but certainly put him in contention. Uh, for Jordan Thompson, great week for him, obviously. You look where he's at in the rankings now. Thompson, I believe, up to a career-high 45. So huge result for him to crack that top 50. Obviously, now you don't have to worry, or if you do have to play qualifying, your top seed at a Masters event, but hopefully you can get in now on your own ranking and that really opens up nice for Jordan Thompson, who will obviously the hard court summer will play well for him, and he'll have a ton of chance to use his ranking, get into tournaments, get some easier draws, and solidify himself in that top 50. And Thompson, age 25, he should be playing his best tennis, and it really seems like he is, so that's going to be a lot of fun to monitor moving forward. Let's switch a little bit. Let's t- let's talk some WTA because there were some really fun events and. Again, uh, I feel like this is at the top of my mind for me because, as I mentioned, Jonathan Kelly and I just did a huge breakdown of the American women thus far in 2019 and how they fared. And how could I talk about the American women without talking about Allie Kick, uh, Allie, Kick Allie Risk, who comes uh, wins her title on grass this week, also in the Netherlands, comes back from 6-0-4-1 down in the final to knock off number one seed Kiki Bertans, 0 6 7 6 7 5 I mean, I don't even know what to say for Allie Risk. For her to have the season she did last season where it felt like she lost so many 7-6 matches in the third to win this title for her, you look in the rankings and where this will put her at, she is now up to number 53, 17 back of her career high. Oh, no, yeah, 17 back of her career high, number 36. Um, Obviously, now she's not going to have to worry about getting into the slams for the rest of the season. Not that I think she was before, but this title really locks her in there. She should be able to get into premier events as well, if not certainly get into the qualifying. And this is just the sort of result for Allie Risk, a player who's had success on the grass before. Uh, Obviously, a a lot of people were, uh, I think, throwing this stat around, but she's had her most success on any surface on grass compared to, you know, hardcore clay by win percentage on the WTA level. And for her to get the title here, I mean... It's, it's sensationally impressive. She made the Nottingham final in 2016 on grass. You look at her results on the slams. Her best tournament seems to be Wimbledon where, oh, uh, no, she, she did make a fourth round at the U.S. Open, but you see third round, third round, third round in 13, 14, and 17. So she's really, you know, a be given the, I suppose, parity at the WTA, she is certainly one of those players who if she gets hot, look out at the grass level because this is a player who has, you know, wins over, you know, six wins now in her career with this win over Bertens over top 10 players. She's certainly a threat on any surface. And look, for Kiki Bertens, 
For her to make a final in the first grass tournament of the year, she now finds herself at a career high, number four in the rankings. I mean, probably, I, I believe she went out of the French Open early with an injury. She just wasn't feeling well on the court. And so for her to kind of rebound, the way yeah, she retired second round down 3-1 to Kuzmova, for her to kind of rebound from that after a few weeks off, get back to the final, so good for her mental state. And yeah, she is certainly one of the players to be monitoring as we uh, approach this year's Wimbledon. Uh, With that, let's transition to our last tournament. I did mention Nottingham earlier. There was a WTA event there this weekend. Uh, The Nature Valley Open, where number one seed Caroline Garcia gets a 2-6, 7-6, 7-6 victory over Donna Vekic. I should have mentioned this for the risk match, but in this match as well, in both of them, just the, the respect these players show one another in the finals when you have a score you know an 067675 or a you know a uh, you come back two six seven six seven six. That takes an incredible physical toll on both players, and the difference they show one another. The fact that they are, you know, so graceful, uh, grateful to have the opportunity to play a match like that. You can just tell these players really are affectionate towards one another, and it speaks well to our game that you see that sort of uh, grace and sportsmanship and class from our best athletes. But in this match, I mean, Caroline Garcia. What a fun player to watch on the grass, just the weapons she has, the fact that she seems just so willing to pull the trigger at will, and for her to sustain it against Donna Vekic, who in the semifinal was a 5-7-6-0-6-0 winner, so you know she was coming in in good form and confident for her to get that first set 6-2, then have a ton of chances in two seven six seven six sets. It speaks to Garcia's you know mental stamina that she fought through, that she didn't get down when she made a few errors in a row. And she weathered the storm, and for both of these players, again, given how few and far between the, you know, that you have three weeks to warm up for Wimbledon, you get three shots at an event, you, you know, get your rhythm if you can, but, you know, you just at most, hopefully you want to get a couple of wins under your belt heading into Wimbledon, and now both of these players start their grass season with wins, I mean, two to definitely watch. Again, we just saw a final where, uh, or a, a Grand Slam where Amanda Nisimova, uh, Vondrasova, and Joe Conta all made the semifinal. So you're telling me Caroline Garcia and Donna Vekic can't make a Wimbledon semifinal? I, I don't know. Doesn't seem that far fetched to me. But uh, what a what a what a fun tournament! And again, a, a fantastic weekend of tennis. That brings me to the last thing I want to do. Obviously, we will be talking about these tournaments more throughout the week, but just to set the schedule for you guys, at the WTA level, we have two events, uh, a premier event in Birmingham, the Nature Valley Classic. That, of course, differs from the Nature Valley Open, which is the week before, and the Nature Valley International, which is the week after. Um, you know, Given that it's a premier event, we're sure to see tons of high-level WTA tennis at that one. I'm sure we'll be talking about this week. There's also a 250 in Mallorca, the Mallorca Open, which, again, good tennis all the way around. If you can't get into that premier event, always nice to have another event you can turn to on the continent. On the men's side, we've got the Fever Tree Championships in London this week. That, of course, in ATP 500, and I believe we're going to get to see some Andy Murray doubles action, so you know I'll be talking about that later this week. We've also got the uh, Noventi Open in Halle, Germany, another ATP 500. I believe Federer's playing that one, and if memory serves me correctly, Borna Chorich defeated Roger Federer in the Halle final last year, so you know we're always in store for good tennis, and 
to outdoor grass ATP 500 levels, given that there's no uh, Masters event on this surface. This is as good of tennis as you're going to get. These are where a lot of their guys, you know, make their claim to the grass season, get their warm-up in. When I say a lot of the guys, I should say a lot of the top-ranked guys. So we're in for a ton of good tennis, but a lot of good players entered into both of these events. We're going to get as good of a preview for Wimbledon as, you know, we're going to know where things stand as well as at any point after this week. Uh, Speaking of which, again, I said this at the beginning, but if you want to keep up with all things in the tennis world, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You know the deal by now. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Follow for the most, if you need more immediate gratification, you want to see all the fun things we've done on the podcast front. I mentioned that G with Jonathan Kelly as well as well as one coming with Max Rothman uh, throughout this week. We also, of course, cracked interviews with Whitney Osigwe, the former world junior number one. I believe she's ranked in the top 120 now on the WTA. Uh, 17-year-old, so talented, came on the Cracked Interviews podcast, got the chance to talk with her. Such a bright, you know, intelligent, very engaging personality for someone that young. So I know you listeners will enjoy that. If you, you know, feeling nostalgic for the college tennis season, all of those interviews there, are kind of a ton of good ones on the way as well. Oh, with that being said, I also, of course, got to give a huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who, of course, have a f- of an editing job to do, as always. But with that being said, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all throughout the week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.